Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. The June 26th, we're a day early. PFF forecast, we've got Ben Stockwell on. We're going to have a bunch of fun with him. We're going to talk MVP odds from the Westgate that were released yesterday. We're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers and their potential uh, for this upcoming season. Ben has some stories from YMCA's, potentially from across the pond, or maybe he's ventured out to the Cincy one. Uh, Should be good. Let's rock. Welcome. Thank you. You uh, live in the UK. Mm-hmm. You've traveled all the way out here to come see us. Um, Just per- to see you guys. In person. Yeah. Better or worse than expected. I mean, you've got the, the podcast is such a window onto you two guys' personality, and I can I can just say that in person it just confirms everything that you th- you think these guys are on the podcast. So your 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 biases are confirmed, which is basically yep. the dream of every uh, yeah NFL coach out exactly. There. Oh man! We, right. Notice notice how we've we have a strict body fat restriction on who gets to sit here. Yes. Kevin Kevin also lean Ben lean. Uh, See, it's a good job I've done that wa- uh, the yeah. weight loss since the end of the season. Then, otherwise, you'd have been checking me at the door. That's a good point. <laughs> We're basically that uh, like um, picture in the magazine where it shows you like the body types and like <laughs> pick one. We'll make you look that way. All right, let's go with um, some questions to get to know you because, quite honestly, um, you know, you listen to the podcast. We listen to your work every single week because you are the person that. Um, has worked so diligently to make PFF data useful uh, with the grading process and being in charge of that. So we don't often interact in a non-football way. So I figured we'd start with some questions that are uh, they don't have to go in the direction of football. Mm-hmm. So let's start here. How many bets have you placed on NFL games? On NFL games, uh, I don't actually think I have bet since the very first time when I lost a 30-pound bet on the Ravens to cover at New England with Carbola a quarterback. Oh my God! What, so what it's year like is a this? A decade ago. That yeah, it was like a decade ago. I think it was like 2006, my second year at university, and I should have realized when the guy who I was betting with was incredibly eager to take the bet. I was just fully in what, belief what, in Carbola coming good what's, eventually. What's uh, sold you on Carbola? So this is obviously before the PFF. Yeah data collection, yeah. all of the stuff that we know now. This is ages ago. What do you know about Kyle, Kyle Bowler at this point? I mean, it's, 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 it's the whole on the knees thing. I was going to say, the knees, that has throwing, to be it. Throwing through the uprights and then post-football when he went on to become a fireman, he's just that kind of a humble yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah Bowler, Bowler, seven touchdowns, nine picks as a rookie, 13 <laughs> touchdowns, 11 picks as a second-year player, 11 touchdowns, 12 picks before he just... Before he 
took the backup role behind Steve McNair. Linear, linear progression, though. Linear progression. Linear progression. Everybody will Completion get better. Completion percentage went from 52 to 56 to 58. So if he just, just kept playing. Yeah. That Imagine where his completion percentage would he, be now. 100. It probably would be maxed out. It's yeah. funny that that because I immediately thought of the from the knees through the uprights thing with Kyle Bowler, and I realized that's the well, he went to Cal, right? Yeah. That's really the only two things I know about Kyle Bowler. Um, and now, you know, you, you then went on to become a massive part of a company that basically works so hard so that we don't have to use those ridiculous <laughs> things to measure how good a guy might be at the NFL. <laughs> And yet still, yep. in the NFL today, we uh, fall prey to this exact same <laughs> issue. It's amazing. Um, next question. Uh, your favorite beverage? Ooh. Can be alcoholic. alcoholic or non-alcoholic. So I used to say your favorite cocktail, but I've received answers like beer. And so now at this point, I'm just opening it up to all beverages. All right. Okay. Um. Difficult choice. I generally just go with water. I'm boring like that. I think that's a great answer. I think that's the best answer we've had so far. Yeah. Fred Gadelli was close. He said Coors Light. <laughs> but I would Which say Which is a different the, it's water in a different stage yeah. of life. Yeah. The only the only <laughs> the only step closer to water you can get than that is Bud. So yes. yeah. there you go. Um all right. Next question. non NFL podcast that you listen to. Favorite Don't non- say the forecast because that means that we've been getting off, <laughs> off script too oh, you, much lately. I mean, when you when you spend ten minutes talking about the uh, Montreal Tampa Bay Devil Rays, are you really a football deserve podcast? It. Yeah. We deserve that. Uh, serious answer. Uh, a history podcast by James Holland, who's a English English World War Two historian, and Al Murray, who is a uh, comedian who's a passionate who's passionate about history. It's called oh. We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Oh wow. So that's an interesting sort of new Art. weekly podcast where they go through various bits of World War Two. That's really cool. Is it all? I'm assuming that because they're good historians, they look at it from multiple perspectives, or is it mostly from a kind of British perspective? Uh, multiple perspectives? Okay. Yeah, but history is fascinating. I'm mm. sure you're a, a fan of football history, so I assume regular world history is up your alley too. Yeah, I mean to the degree that I have time for it. <laughs> You're watching a WNBA game right now. I, should know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I can confirm that I'm not. So long as I have time for it between WNBA pros- prospecting that I do. Um, I, I think history is great. That One of the moments that I remember from my childhood is watching um, the very famous Civil War documentary by uh, Ken Burns. Ken Burns, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that was amazing. So I assume it's a great podcast. Might have to check it out. Uh, let's go with this one to wrap it up. One meal that if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, you would eat and one meal that you wouldn't eat to save your life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, the one meal that I'd be happy to eat for for the rest of my life probably be spaghetti bolognese. It's the one pasta dish that doesn't come with cheese on it and I don't have to say to the waiter can you please take cheese off of that nice um, and it's sort of light enough but heavy enough that you don't feel weird eating it in the middle of winter or the middle of summer okay so you've got the flexibility there smart uh, and you actually mentioned a specific pasta we've received pastas and I mean, answer twice and that pasta's is pasta's a ho- like a whole range of food you can't yeah, just say pasta legitimately an entire you know like cross section of food yeah. uh, a meal that I wouldn't eat to save my life Probably anything containing shellfish. 
I did biology really? as my degree course, therefore I know what most shellfish eat, and I don't want to eat what they're eating. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. You a shellfish guy? Uh, I'm only not a seafood guy, are you? I no, I like salmon quite a bit. That's true. And I like I like most fish. Uh, I, shellfish not very often. Yeah, I could probably live off of lobster and shrimp and crab. <laughs> uh, so. And I kind of know what they eat. Yeah. I just don't care. <laughs> uh, I'm the same way with foie gras, which I was in California uh, a couple weeks ago. I went to one of my favorite restaurants, and one of my favorite things had been taken off the menu, and it has foie gras in it. And I was like, you know, what the hell? And they go, yeah, it just got outlawed again in California. And I'm like, of course. <laughs> of course. Ba- fighting the big battles in California. Yep. That's what yeah. we do. The important things. All right, let's move into the MVP discussion. So the Westgate Las Vegas printed some odds for MVP yesterday. You can go check them out on Twitter. They're everywhere. Or you can go to Vegas and head to the Westgate. Um, the favorites are not surprising. Pat Mahomes, 4-1. to one. Um, Rogers, 8-1. to one. Luck, 8-1. to one. Wentz and Breeze, both 10-1. to one. Brady, 12-1. to one. Rivers and Wilson, 14-1. to one. Roethlisberger, Ryan Mayfield, twenty-five to one. Uh, Jared Goff, Cam Newton, sixty to one. These aren't necessarily in order. The uh, highest non-QB appears to be Zeke at sixty to one. Um, better odds than his quarterback. Better odds than his quarterback, which I think says it all. Dak at a hundred to one. Um, th- from my perspective, when I'm betting on the MVP, if I were to bet on the MVP. Taking the favorites is a. It's kind of like playing uh, betting on a golf tournament. The favorites are going to be overpriced because yep. they're way better, but there's so much variance that goes on in these small samples that mm-hmm. like there's just no point in taking the the favorites. But I'm going to make you guys pick. If you have to pick one guy that is, um, let's cut it off at Brady. So 12 to one or better, who are you going to take? Mahomes, Rogers, Luck, Wentz, Breeze, or Brady? Eric, you go first. Uh. Man, let's go Breeze. Yeah. Reason? Well, I think that they sort of saw what happened a season ago where, like, sort of he tanked at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that they'll probably do things to avoid that circumstance happening again. And uh, it's like his last chance, right? So, uh, you know, plus they're good odds. I think 10 to 1. Like, honestly, Breeze, how far – like, he – he wasn't that far away from Mahomes last season, right? Yeah. Four to one to ten to one. So I think you know, just sort of go by the prior of last season, and Breeze is probably a good choice here. What do you think, Ben? I would probably lean in towards Brady, even though Brady tends to get in the MVP running the oh, he's so great, he's won it so many times before, right, even yeah. though he hasn't. Like Peyton, he yeah, to, exactly. Yeah. He, you you got that bias against him, but just sort of trying to play the odds he's in a division where none of the other three teams are going to rise up and still wins off them you know the Patriots are going right. to get 10 11 12 wins so he's going to be in that mix and I just don't see Brady going out quietly I like both of those in fact both of those were guys that I was thinking about and to me it's like you're trying to pick almost the winner of a popularity contest mm-hmm. Mahomes won it last year people don't like to give yeah. back-to-back awards um Rogers the new uh system in there i'm not sold on the floor uh it's adams and valdez scantling not stoked on that i mean rogers to me the fact that he's second here is egregious it's hilarious 
Uh, it's it's in. It, like you'd presume luck. it's you'd presume it's entirely built on the narrative of revenge comeback tour and like, just rebound Aaron Rodgers is on TV more than any other NFL yeah. quarterback. Yep, and it's not even close. Andrew Luck at eight to one, I also think is a little bit much. However, the comeback player of the year, the whole narrative around, and he's a great guy. The media will buy into that very quickly. The same with Carson Wentz, who is coming off of injury, was so close. He almost deserved it a season ago. Let's give it to him. So I, I, I like Breeze and Brady a, a little bit more. I think Breeze is, is great. But Wentz at 10-1, to 1, um, I think he'll get a ton of media coverage. He was so good if he you know, gets back on track. Um, I guess you know, because he's 10-1, to 1, I take it. But I like, I like Breeze and Brady a lot for yeah, the question with Wentz is, is he going to buck the trend that he's had and actually play all 16 yeah. games? Well, and the year that he was suppo- – this is how like interesting this conversation is because he played better last season than he did in 2017 process-wise. Yeah. No one was ever going to talk about him as the MVP last year, but people were talking about him as he was in 2017. So this is really – if you're going to bet Wentz, you're betting on – is the, are the Eagles going to be good, right? Yeah. Like as opposed to is Wentz actually going to play up to his standards? So that was an interesting one. What about the long shots? Let's say I know who you're taking. I, <laughs> I was going to say forget long shots. If you have to bet a non QB first, so let's go. We'll go long shots in a second overall. Yeah, a non QB that you have to take. Who are you going with? I'm going to go first this time. Go ahead. Uh, because I would go with C. Elliott. And here is why. It's the Cowboys. They're going to overpay him, and that means they're going to overfeed him. He's going to get 400 million touches. They are probably going to be... You know, not the worst team, but if they happen to get over the the hump, it'll probably be because their offensive line starts to play sort of, you know, uh, really, really well, like they did in Dak's rookie year, allowing Dak to be a little bit better. And that will allow Zeke to score a crap ton of touchdowns. So it's all about touchdowns. We know this. Yep. And he basically will have the Todd Gurley year, but all the way through um, from last season. Yeah, my non-quarterback is at 101, Mitch Trubisky of the Chicago Bears. <laughs> 200 uh, to 1. Uh, 200 to 1, sorry. I think, I think those are great odds to give somebody who <laughs> can throw the ball at times, too. <laughs> you know, so... I love that one. Uh, if I'm going to pick a second, I'm going to go with uh, Josh Allen. Uh, and, and I don't care which one it is. I Just think it's either stop. quarterback Bills Just or stop. edge player Jaguars. I, th- I think oh, they're equally man. likely. That was brilliant, Ben. Uh, I'm going to steal your logic of it's all about touchdowns. It is, uh, and That's I'm going to I'm going to steal your logic of, of it's all about touchdowns, and then feed off of my reason why I doubted my bet on Brady of the anti-Brady bias mm. and say one of his running backs so James White or Sony Michelle could rack up some touchdowns without Rob, Gon- Rob Gronkowski as the red Sony zone threat. Sony Michelle's 100 to 1 by the way. <laughs> Sony Michelle has better odds than Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> the same odds as Jameis Winston who's an actual quarterback. Yep. That's hilarious. Alright overall long shots um, if you actually had to place a bet where would you go? Jameis. Mr. Eager. Jameis. Just go ahead and talk about him. Jameis Winston, my guy. Can you please expound on that? Well, I think I think he's his he led the NFL last season in percentage of positively graded throws. He's mm-hmm. got the cards in his deck. 
They have Bruce Arians there. Bruce Arians made Carson Palmer, who granted has had a far better career than Jameis to this point, but very similar composition-wise. Yep. He he put him in position to succeed. I think he could put Jameis in position to succeed. Yeah, just needs a little bit of a lift from his Come offensive on. Stop. Uh, coaching staff. God Since it. he's probably not able to take <laughs> a Uber anymore. <laughs> Yahtzee. Benjamin? How long are uh, long short odds? I mean, anyone that's, you know, past 25 to 1. I mean, even I actually don't even think it has to be a long shot. Just what's your favorite uh, bet? My favorite play in there would probably be... Kyle Bowler's not in here. He's, it's a disappointment. I mean, they've, they've missed a trick there. They've got, to, they've got Tariq Cohen and Zach Ertz on there, but I can't put money on Kyle Bowler. Uh, I would be looking at the three guys at 25 to 1 as, uh, as guys who I think are good bets. Ryan has, Matt Ryan's shown he's got that upside in the past. He's still got Julio to throw to. Ben Roethlisberger. All right, you've got the drama of Antonio Brown gone this offseason, but he's still got a strong offensive line in front of him. He's yeah. still got weapons to throw the ball to. And James if he plays well, it's like yeah. you've done it in spite of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think Roethlisberger's great. I, I probably wouldn't go with Ryan just because I think it's so hard to repeat. Yeah. Um, you know, he won it just a couple of years ago. Um, I actually kind of like Mayfield at 25 to 1. But the two that I like the most, and I'm kind of torn between which one I think is the best, Deshaun Watson at 60 to 1. Yeah. And Jimmy G. The chosen one. Now, the problem with Jimmy G's at 80 to 1 is that they will find any excuse to give him comeback player. But any time that I can get Jimmy G at 80 to 1, which is the same price at which you can get Kurt Cousins, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that. And I, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> when he comes back to uh, you know, redeem all of our sins that we've had, I, I think that's worthy of being the most valuable player. So, if Trubisky, like, so when's the last time a non-quarterback won the MVP? Was it 2012 with Adrian Peterson? Has to be right. Okay, I think so, so. Trubisky wins it. It'll be pretty remarkable. <laughs> you are. That's great because I've gotten a lot of hate for the Bears, and I can't be said to. Here's a here's a legitimate question: Would you rather take Trubisky at two hundred to one or Cohen at three hundred? Two hundred to one. Come on, Trubisky. Like the, this. <laughs> Would you rather take Trubisky or He's... Leonard Fournette? They both have the same odds, by the way. Other players that have the same odds as Trubisky, according to Vegas: Philip Seymour Lindsay. Amazing. Um, who else is it? Devontae Freeman Devontae is 200 to 1. Freeman is 200 to 1. Derek Aaron Henry. Jones is 200 to 1. Wow. Aaron Jones is 200 to 1. Leonard Fournette, Julian Edelman, um, Juju. What would it take? Here, here's the other last question I had. Because I think the rec- you know, receivers having an amazing year. The guy that kind of got closest was Calvin Johnson. Yep. What would it take for a receiver to win the MVP given that his quarterback's probably going to play well. Like, how does that happen? Yeah, it, it, well, and I think Kevin said this, was saying this on Twitter, it's very hard to envision that happening. You'd almost have to have a situation where a quarterback got hurt and his backup yeah. came in and played the other eight games. You know, like they split the season, basically. That's what I was thinking and then, too. like, the one, they were both, like, comp- like, think about Winston and Fitzpatrick last season. If they would have, if Tampa Bay would have won, yeah. and Mike Evans was brilliant, like there could have been an opportunity there. Yeah. Either that, or you have to have the extreme market share kind of thing that mm-hmm. Megatron had that 2011 right, season, right. I think it was, mm-hmm. where I think I think he was further up in the MVP running than Stafford would have been, I, even with Stafford throwing for 5,000 yards, which is automatic contention. Right. 
I was trying to think of because part of it is also it's hard to win the MVP when people don't when people have already sort of written the book on you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yep. that was Stafford's thing is like, well, we already know he's sort of a median ish quarterback, mm-hmm. so like we can't escalate him that high. So I was trying to think of someone that sort of fits that. And Antonio Brown with Derek Carr is interesting to me because th- he's got to give Antonio Brown seven hundred targets. Like yep. if he throws for the ball them to get along. <laughs> that too. But Antonio Brown's the type of guy where he's so well respected for his route running, his ability to get open, to make things happen, um, to make tough catches, that I could see a situation where he is just far and away more impressive than Derek Carr is, given that if Derek Carr doesn't throw to him, he's probably throwing it into the ground right in front of him, which is basically what yeah. his past they, they two signed Tyrell Williams. He's a good football player. Like That's there's going to be probably some tar- although they got rid of Jared Cook, so yeah, but I do agree. I think Antonio Brown strikes me, but the problem is the Raiders are going to be beige. Right, they're so, going to be terrible. So it's not so the 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 opportunity for him to stand out. It'll be one of those situations where it'll be like when Alex Rodriguez won the, the MVP for like a last place Texas team. This right. isn't baseball, so this is never going to happen. Well, that's why I like Roethlisberger too, because this is really a question of projecting how well that player is going to produce stats that people look at. And then secondarily, how confident are you that that team is going to not just do well, but exceed expectations? Mm-hmm. Because that's one of Brady's issues too, mm. is that they always do great, but their expectations are always super yeah. high. The Steelers are not the favorite to win their own division this year. So they, you know, them just winning 10 games and him having an amazing season, if Brady and the Patriots win 10 games, they're like, well, can't give him the MVP. <laughs> they failed this year. Well, that takes you back to like 2015 where Palmer and Newton were the two people vying for MVP yes. because in 2014, the Panthers were like 7-8-1. And, and in 2014, Palmer tore his ACL. I had to sit out the last few. So they kind of came out of nowhere I agree. The hard part is is when the, people already expect you to be awesome. It, yeah. that, that's probably going to be Mahomes' issue too. Mahomes, like when your when your starting point is fifty touchdown passes and you throw thirty five, you might not even you could lead the league in failure. People. I mean, yeah. there was a year that Russell Wilson led the league in touchdown passes. I think it was like two thousand sixteen, and no one gave him second thought for MVP because you know they already expected him to be good. And he had a couple crappy games, so people just like default to this idea that he wasn't great. You know? Yeah. Well, but. Russ Wilson's biggest issue is that he doesn't play running back. <laughs> All right, MVP conversation is closed. Let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's the team that we're going to uh, recap slash look forward to um, this season. Uh, the Steelers, it's such a drama-filled team, and it's, they're always contrasted with the Patriots. And I think that's so funny because the Patriots have a lot of drama too. We talked about this actually last week. I made the comparison that the, the Patriots handle drama like the Bulls did with Jordan. They just don't talk about it, and that kills the story. And the, the Steelers like, can't stop talking about it. Like Tomlin, Tomlin has a way of like, trying to not say anything but really just saying a ton. <laughs> and he has such a you know, like, profound way of speaking. And then, of course, you know, Antonio Brown can't literally stop Instagramming his life. Le'Veon Bell. Same can't find clothes in his house for all of the <laughs> women that he has inside of it. So uh, they had their own set of issues, and yet somehow they, they seem to put together um, good seasons. And this season, it almost seems like a lot of that drama should be off to the side. Does that help them this year? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. You know, the, you know last season they were – their over-under was 10.5. We had them at 9. 
It wasn't a team that we really discussed as an under candidate. But I do think this is a great example of how hard it is to win 10 games in the NFL, how hard it is to win 11 games in the NFL. Because, you know, the Steelers, they got off to a, a slow start, right? And then there was the drama with Bell. There was the drama with with Brown at times, like, being overshadowed by you know, Smith-Schuster. And then they had this stretch, right? They they were like they won five or six games in a row. Yep. They were seven two and one or something like that. Seven, I think, right? Yeah, six in a row. Yeah, six in a row. They yeah. were seven two and one. And then they had that stinker in Denver, right? And then you know, and it all sort of fell apart. And then they came back and beat this, the the uh, Pitt, uh, the New England Patriots at home. But again, they still couldn't even get over that like ten win hump. When you're looking at handicapping teams in the future that have these double digit win totals, right? Like, the models love those unders, right? And we are like, oh, Steelers, story franchise, right? Like, it's going to be hard to bet this under. But, like, they oftentimes pay out just basically by how hard it is. And I think it's for that reason. You can be the most talented team in the league at receiver. You can have a talented running back. You can have a great offensive line, which they had. You can have a passable defense, a decent head coach, and then chemistry issues cause that, right? Like, Everything has to go right to win 11 or more games, and the Steelers are a great example. When a couple things go wrong, it's not assured. Ben, the Steelers' offense, a lot of facets at, that really over the past couple of years have made it go. Bell yeah. was attributed a lot of the success. What is something that we don't talk enough about maybe with Steelers' offense that you think is is a really impressive component? <sighs> In, well, I mean, in terms of how you guys would look at the offensive line, it's maybe not the individual most valuable mm-hmm. difference-making thing, but I think the stability that they have had, the consistency they've had there, where they've got some very talented individual players, but it's just the way that that whole offensive line plays together as greater than the sum of its parts, mm-hmm. is, what, is to me one of the big reasons why James Conner was able to come in and basically be Le'Veon Bell last year. Yeah. You know, you had the you sort of had the dichotomy in the Steelers last year of the running back truthers who say that running backs do in fact matter saying well they missed the playoffs because they didn't have Le'Veon Bell fact but then also playing into the two running, things occurred yep also playing into the running backs don't matter crew right James Conner comes in and he's at, at the very least 95% of Le'Veon Bell uh, and I think the offensive line's a big part of that even with fumbled away game one and had he not it's true there's the difference ball. yep that's, that's that's the difference completely made there <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and the great, the interesting thing is if we look at the most valuable players in terms of war, you know, Connor was extremely productive last year, and yet he doesn't make this list of players who are the most valuable. You obviously go Big Ben, AB, and Juju are basically equally as valuable a season ago, which I think goes against the narrative. They have Tuitt and Hayward on the inside of their defense, Hilton and Hayden in the back end. You have to get a ways before you get to Connor. And again, that was like the whole thing we wrote about, you know, Le'Veon Bell previously is like, I mean, he's a great football player, but he doesn't move the needle all that much. Nope. And so, getting rid of him certainly doesn't uh, doesn't didn't affect them from a you know an offensive perspective. I mean, you're talking about a team. I'm trying to find. They were fifth in the NFL in EPA game per play. They were yeah. a top five offense. And even though even though they were you know 15th on the ground in EPA, a lot. I mean, that's still an average offense. Being eighth through the pass allows you to get sort of up there, uh, you know, amongst the NFL leaders. And that was a big Ben wasn't really all that good last season. Nope. He, he wasn't. And the, a couple things from that list that are really interesting. The first is uh, our buddy, Mr. Hilton in the slot. Was he a fifth-round pick, sixth-round pick or something like that? Yep. 
Um, but he played the slot in college, and it's something that we've talked a lot about, which is if you know what a guy played in college, play him play there him in there. the pros mm-hmm. yep. because it's uh, the the data on players that make switches is just not great, and Mike Hilton is a testament to that, um, has been very solid in the slot for them. And they have really struggled. There's some linchpins to their defense that have you know, Ryan Chazier was one of them. He goes out and you replace one of the most athletic linebackers with like a random guy from this office. And it all of a sudden doesn't, you know, doesn't work quite so well. Hayden has been injured and the rest of their coverage guys, you know, on the outside have been pretty bad. And now I look at the wide receiving core and it's like, okay, you get rid of Antonio Brown. Juju's fine. But my question is, are they going to find other players to throw the ball to? Because yeah. James Washington was not great um, last season, and it's a big drop-off when you take away a guy and you replace him with below replacement level. Yeah, yeah and they, they, they lost. Jesse James was not a great tight end, but he's, he's gone. He's going, he went to Detroit. James Washington was their least valuable player a season ago. Um, so, so he wasn't, he wasn't exactly what you wanted out of a, a, high, a high pick at wide receiver. They did. Vance McDonald though was a pretty solid tight end a season ago, and you wonder like, do they finally have this replacement that they've always sort of wanted for, uh, you know, for Heath Miller that they they've missed for all that time? So there could be some places, and then of course James Conner out of the backfield. If there there could be some places where they go to replace AB, but AB was still really good last season despite yep. you know all the narratives surrounding it. Well, is Deontay Johnson? Well, that's the, that's who Renner and uh, Steve are big on because of his his route running, his athletic profile is fairly similar to Brown as well. I mean, that's a that's a big question. If you think you can iso- if you if you think you can isolate the uh, sixth round receiver from the Mac and sort of get that pipeline running, right? Then I think you've got the whole thing cracked. If you think you've got that, they, maybe this is the year Dante Moncrief finally breaks out and oh, sustains for a full season. Could be. I mean, it could not I actually be. Like yeah. Moncrief, I think he's been under. Valued. What's interesting is the Steelers, you know, no team is really good at drafting, but the Steelers have managed to draft some really good receivers over mm-hmm. the years. I yep. mean, going back a ways, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, you know, maybe there's something uh, to that. Randy Feekner, a guy that we really liked last year, their screen game um, was incredibly effective. Top five in yards per yep. screen play up there with the, you know, Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid were yep. always talked about. That really helped Roethlisberger out quite a bit. Made him look probably a little bit better than um, his actually play his actual play That's a great point. Uh, indicated. Look, currently nine and a half is the Vegas total. A few more people uh, on the under. Uh, if I'm reading this correctly, yeah, the under is minus one twenty five. The over is plus one hundred five. So, I think that makes sense intuitively. Putting you on the spot, over or under nine and a half, Ben. I've got to put my own actual money on it. You don't. This oh, is Kyle No pounds on the line. <laughs> I would be inclined on the balance of probabilities to lean towards the under just because I think the AFC North is a more crowded division this year and I think it could realistically be sort of the AFC version of what the NFC South has been for years where everybody knocks each other out and you could win that division with nine wins this year. Yeah, I, I think that that's what the numbers bear out. I mean, we like Pittsburgh as the, the favorite to win that division still, like a, a little over 40. But again, that's that's what shows you what's happened uh, in this division where the balance of power has shifted. You know, Baltimore's a team as well that's like, you know, we're not quite sure about Lamar Jackson. They won the division a season ago, and then Cleveland's obviously ascending. So, you know, there there is a good chance they could – 
simultaneously win that division and only and get under this total, um, which is why sort of to change subjects, the plus one ninety to win the AFC North is you know they only have to win the AFC North thirty five or more percent of the time to break even on this bet. So uh, I kind of like that one more than I like you know their win total um, because there's a bigger payout and you know I think that the two happen probably mo- more or less at the same time and uh, and they're good odds. Yes, I. I agree with you. I would also, um, if I've gone to my head, go under, but may or may not um, have investment <laughs> in uh, them winning their division. Um, wh- who would you take right now to win that division? Like, if you were just handicapping it. I would probably lean towards the Steelers just because I've got the same opinion of the Browns this year, admittedly at a higher level, but similar sort of thinking that I had last year. Hmm. Where going into last year, I was asked by a Browns fan on Twitter, you know, what do you see? Oh, the There's a few of those. There are a few of those. Um, what do you see the Browns win title as this year? Yeah. And I don't actually know whether I replied to him. I may just have sort of mentioned it to Gordon or a couple of other people uh, in PFF in passing where my thought process was, I don't know what their win total will be. I think there'll be a 500 team after they win their first game, but I don't know when they'll win their first game. Hmm. And I think the Browns, it's sort, of, it's sort of a similar... I think they've got the capabilities to win the division this year, but I don't know whether they'll figure it all out and put it all together just because they're coming from so far back. I don't think you can put the same expectations on it. So to answer the question, long-winded... I would lean towards the Steelers as the team I'd pick this year of the four. I think your intuition's good, right? The, the, there are fewer there are fewer teams that are like the Rams than are like the Vikings, right? Where you have this pop up year mm. and you just continue to roll it over and you continue to get better. Yeah. Usually, like I always think about the the Falcons when they got Matt Ryan, they went from terrible to division winner basically to five hundred, and yep. then and then they had their year, then they figured it out, right? regression sort of always seems to hit these teams that have a pop-up season so like and the same thing with Chicago like I don't think Chicago is going to stink I think they're not going to be they're not going to go from 12 to 13 wins I think they're going to go from 12 to 9 yeah. right and I think the same thing's true with with Cleveland well they're not playing a single quarterback so that's tough to <laughs> it's really <laughs> difficult so so I agree with you I, I you know I think I think Pittsburgh really is like Pittsburgh is like the one real value I see in these division odds where it's not like a team like the Lions who are like plus 600. I think, you know, I think, I think the, the Steelers really are a good value here. With you guys there. Um, this brings us to we've been doing a segment on the show where we rewatch a game. We did the Kansas City-New England um, games last week. That was a lot of fun. Ben, thoughts on a game for this upcoming week that we should rewatch? Well, I could go for the Steelers-Browns week one game and just make you guys watch an overtime game. Sort of we don't just have to listen to you. I'm just asking <laughs> for suggestions because you have a different view. You, you know, we, we sit next to each other and yell at each other all day. Yeah. I like your opinion. I think the Steelers would be an interesting team to look at. Yeah, I agree. And I would lean towards... Just so that uh, no, this wasn't. This was the end of this was the end of Fitz Magic. I would say that the Week wow. Three Monday Night Football game against the Bucks Tess could be an interesting book. one to go for because that's kind of the that's the game that almost saved the Steelers' season in Week Three because yeah. if they go down to the O two and one, that's right. they're staring down in the deep hole, and the Bucks were in yeah, a position I think where they was that a game they could have gone to three and three and They should have gone yeah. to three and oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. The Steelers have some really interesting games. They they have that. 
Chargers game on Sunday night football. Maybe we watch both those. Mm-hmm. I, the bigger the sample size, the more you learn. <laughs> The, the only the only thing that I don't like about watching like a Bucks game with like Fitzpatrick is this is not going to happen again. So like there's no. But I agree. Sad. You don't you don't have faith for him in Miami this year. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I think he'll he'll play a few games. You're wearing a, your Dolphins color shirt. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll decide. It's between. Uh, it's a we'll, we'll do a Steelers game, um, and I think uh, those two either Bucks or Chargers. Uh, the Chargers game was whack. Wacko. Totally crazy. Wacko. All right, we're going to close out with this. I usually rant and rave about people at the gym that annoy me, yep. and uh, people are probably tired of that. <laughs> so now that we have a guest on, um, you're a runner. Yep. So either a story or two uh, of running things, either in the UK or maybe... Okay, I'll go, so I'll, I'll go with two observations nice. from my running down by That's the nice way to put it. down by the riverfront in Cincinnati this Ooh. this week so far. Call those the banks. Yeah. So the, on the positive side, even going for a run at six a.m., it's nice and toasty and warm, and I'm not thinking I don't really want to be out in this. It's freezing cold, like yep. it is early in the morning in the UK. So that's nice and pleasant, nice view. Water's a little bit brown. I'm not about to jump in it, so you know I'll live with that. But then on the downside. Everything just looks a little bit scruffy with all these bird scooters that ah. people just... I mean, if you leave them in a nice, neat row by the side of the road, kind of get that kind of nice. But you just leave them all over the floor for people to run around. It's just inconsiderate. And then, uh, yeah, it's the inconsiderate other runners that you have in the that you seem to have in the US. Like when I'm going around for a run, I like to show that I'm not really sweating it and pushing it yeah. all the way so I can sort of wave and say hi to people as I'm jogging oh. past. Responses have been mixed the first two mornings. I'll just put it that way. What's the best? How many people have you said hi to, and how many like how many people have actually given you a at least courteous response? Uh, about fifty percent uh, actually acknowledge the hello or the wave, and about twenty five percent give a courteous return response. That seems to be uh, the American you know, way. I would I, w- I would expect more from the runners union. That's bad. <laughs> That's really bad. I mean, I guess that goes in line with bird scooters just lying around, right? Yeah. I saw true. a bird scooter on fire in a trash can. <laughs> Come on. <the> day. <laughs> so that tells you all you need to know. Just when I was wandering out you at lunch. I to laugh at that one. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing with your life? You're like, you know what? This <laughs> thing's on fire. <laughs> this thing's fire. I was just wandering out for, out for my lunch now, and there's someone wandering around with the handlebars taken off. He's just holding the top of the spindle. Those things are very convenient, although a lot of people, A, clearly didn't have a Razor scooter as a kid because they can't ride them to save their lives, which is really funny. Um, And a lot of them, people treat poorly. And so, like, the brakes aren't great or the um, accelerator is, like, sticky. Yeah. So I try to avoid riding them if I can because I think they're fairly dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Running around them, also dangerous, so don't do that. Now you're the bad guy. You're the yep. person that's complaining about working yep. out. I have no complaints. I'm going to have to be careful for the next few days in Cincinnati. Someone's going to find you. <laughs> All right. That does it for us. It was a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having One me. One of the really great people at PFF. And we are honored to have you guys on the podcast. See you guys. In the dark you
Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.